This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture, and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Conservative. Constitutional. It's the Andrew Cooper Writer Show. Keeping you informed on what's going on right here in Kentucky. And welcome, everybody, to the Andrew Cooper Writer Show, your source for Kentucky politics. As always, I'm your host, Andrew Cooper Writer. Thank you for joining me on this wonderful, wonderful Friday. I hope you are gearing up for a good weekend leading into Christmas. I hope you've done your shopping. Of course, I've been out there trying to get the shopping done, trying to find a good gift for my wife. So if anybody's got any ideas, um, you know what? Don't send them to me. I don't, I don't want them. I don't want your ideas. Well, maybe some of you may know my wife. Okay. If you know my wife and you have ideas of what to get her for Christmas, email them to me at info at theandrewshow.com. Once again, that's info at theandrewshow.com. I will be interested to hear about it. Now, um, before we dig into it as well, please make sure sharing the show out, talking to people about it, helps spread the word, helps get things done, calls attention to things that are very important for us to do so. And one of those things, a certificate of need laws, con laws. Long-time listeners of the show know that uh, we've been talking about con laws for quite some time now. I've shown you some excerpts over the last several months from the Certificate of Need Con Law Task Force. And for those of you who are unaware, and to remind you what Certificate of Need Con Laws are, in the state of Kentucky, if you're a medical provider and you want to open up a new location, you want to... Uh, buy new equipment, add on beds, get into the ambulatory service, just really do anything in the world of medicine to expand your business, you have to get permission from the state. And you go to the state and you request that permission, and then they do a certificate of need analysis, a need analysis. And basically, they ask your would-be competitors in the area if there's a need for providers such as yourself to, quote-unquote, provide in the area. And if there is, according to your competitors, your would-be competitors, they say, no, we can handle the business. Well, then you're not allowed to open up. Now, the history of certificate of need came from uh, this rural healthcare desire, this idea that if you lock out healthcare providers from being able to go into populated areas, it would kind of force them out to rural areas. Also, as well, they uh, acknowledge, I guess, that the Medicare, Medicaid, services does not pay enough money out for people to be able to um, afford healthcare providers to afford to be able to treat only Medicare and Medicaid patients. Basically, they need 
private pay, self-pay, private insurance pay patients in order to offset those costs that Medicare and Medicaid won't pay for. And you need to understand that very exactly and correctly. It means that not only are you paying taxes for Medicare and Medicaid directly out of your paycheck, but when the government is not paying out enough to healthcare providers, you also now pay more in the form of insurance premiums, copays, and medical costs for you privately. That's why when people talk about, you know, there's there's the seen taxes that you see that government actually sucks out of you, you know, like your income tax, your sales tax, your whatever taxes that that actually get paid and called a tax. Well, those you see. But there's other ways that the government taxes your pocket indirectly. One is inflation. Another is regulatory costs and, and, and uh, outside costs such as this, where you pay more for your medical care because government regulations and policies have caused people who don't get their medical care from the government to have to pay more. And so anyway, so they've been looking at a uh, certificate of need here in Kentucky. Because Kentucky, unlike our surrounding states, uh, requires the most categories, almost the most in the nation, categories of certificate of need. In other states surrounding us, like Ohio, the only place where you need to do certificate of need request is long-term healthcare facilities. And so the state legislature in pretending like it cares about Republicans, uh, voters. And I say pretending like it cares because this is a particularly sticking point. This is of particular issue to places like Northern Kentucky because Northern Kentucky is fairly well populated. That's Covington, Fort Mitchell, Florence, y'all, you know, all those places. They have one healthcare provider, like pretty much North of, like the Georgetown exits, Scott County exits on 75 North is one healthcare provider, St. East, St. Elizabeth. That's it. Uh, you have nowhere else you can work if you're a nurse or a doctor pretty much. And of course you have nowhere else to get healthcare from. But if you go across the river into Ohio, right across the river, there's like 10 hospital systems. Now, of course, the way healthcare works, you can't go across the river and a lot of times in your insurance cover it. And so Saney's has that locked down. And so it greatly affects Northern Kentucky. So in order to buy off the Northern Kentucky Republican voters and keep them at bay, the state legislature put in place this certificate of need task force. And then they proceeded to staff at least half of it and uh, to have the chairs of it be people who directly benefit or have benefited from the con monopoly. Uh, people like Dr. Donald Douglas, a uh, senator from the 22nd district. He's a co-chair of this committee, uh, a doctor himself, and is greatly invested in stopping certificate of need conversations. He's really tied into it. Uh, he, he believes that government knows best, of course. Additionally, as well, you have Senator Meredith. Um, as I've said in prior episodes, Senator Meredith has the distinct award of being the most I don't even want to say annoying exactly. He's the most uh, pompous senator, in my opinion. As I said priorly, the guy could find a way to talk down to God himself. Um, you know, he figured out. He figured out a way to tell God that he was wrong. That's how full of himself this guy is. Uh, and so, anyway, so so they're chairing this, and every single time, it was the same story. 
they'd present people from the hospital systems that say they have to have monopolies. And then people on the other side would challenge them on that. And they didn't really have good answers. And then people from the free market side, economists, experts in those fields, they would come forward, they would talk and what would the, the, the one side, the chairs and stuff do? Well, they would just yell at them that they don't know what they're talking about and, and tell them that uh, medical care can't be a free market. At least you think I'm making it up it's pretty much from uh, directly from certificate of need task force. Uh, they say that the two sides are one is certificate of need laws limit competition by protecting incumbent providers and creating a burdensome approval process for establishing new or expanding health services and facilities, and that there's little evidence that certificate of need laws control costs, improve quality, or ensure access to healthcare. The other side of the aisle, which is presented by predominantly Republicans, it's Republicans on, of course, the one side only, and then on the other side, you have predominantly Republicans, of course, it's a Republican uh, majority, you know, uh, committee. Republican majority committee, they say healthcare service delivery does not operate in a free market. The certificate of need laws are necessary to control costs, improve quality, and ensure access to healthcare for all people in all geographic areas. The existing certificate of need program may be improved with modifications for some healthcare facilities and services. So even the, the side that says they're supposedly, quote unquote, against certificate of need, well, even they say, yeah, there needs to be some changes, though, at least. Right. So you would think then they've they've they put this committee together back in March. And so you would think perhaps over the last several months and tens of thousands of your dollars they've spent because they've every month they've had a hearing. It's lasted hours. They've had staff there that are being paid by your tax dollars, travel pay for legislators and travel work days, uh, uh, you know, KSP people that are are there. In fact, uh, if you remember when I tried to impeach Bashir, the legislature uh, sent me a cost bill for uh, three or four days of hearing. And supposedly that cost forty four thousand dollars. So they had mm, about 10 days of hearing. So it's not extreme at all to say that the state legislature spent about half a million dollars investigating, quote unquote, certificate of need laws in Kentucky. And after all that money spent, what was their findings? Well, it's one sentence wrong, and this is what it says. <clears throat> the task force recommends that further study may provide additional information to guide statutory and regulatory changes in Kentucky's certificate of need program. Now I'm going to break that down for even more, but um, you should be offended as a taxpayer that that's all they came up with. We'll dig into that after this short break. You're listening to the Andrew Cooperwriter Show, your source for Kentucky politics. And you are back with the Andrew Cooperwriter Show, your source for Kentucky politics. For the break, we were talking about the Certificate of Need Task Force. They came back with a finding after spending estimate probably around half a million dollars of your do money uh, studying certificate of need here in Kentucky con laws, they came back and they said the task force recommends that further study may provide additional information to guide statutory and regulatory changes in Kentucky certificate of need program. That's the entire recommendation by the task force. So task force gets put together by the government, spends half a million dollars and comes for forward with the conclusion that the task force needs to continue its study and probably spend another half a million dollars. 
And and so by doing this, remember, they, they already said their conclusion was is that uh, early on, even, even those who are against, generally speaking, certificate of need laws even admit that eh, maybe some of these categories we could cut certificate of need qualifications from. Maybe we could lower down the amount of places and, and types of medical groups that need to ask permission from the state in order to do business. But they can't even recommend one. Half a million dollars. They can't even recommend one place to remove a certificate of need requirement. No, they just need to study it more. And they can claim that, you know, we're not doing nothing. We're going to study it more. But that is doing nothing. If you can't figure out in half a million dollars of taxpayer money spent what to do about a monopoly that's being enforced by the state and you can't even figure out and even going into it, you know, you're probably going to have to cut down a few places that the monopoly is. And then you can't come back with anything. You're clearly trying to look like you're doing something while doing nothing at all because you're not serving Kentuckians. You're serving one of the largest lobbying groups in the state, the hospital systems. The hospital system spend more than almost any of the medical industry spends almost more. No, not almost does spend more than any other industry in Kentucky lobbying our state legislature every year. They spend millions of dollars and it's to buy decisions like this to make you continue to foot the bill so they can make a profit. And when a group comes together to create a little bit more competition in the marketplace, what happens? Well, it gets co-opted by those that serve the will of the hospitals and not the people. And then told that, well, we just got to study more. And we've only been studying this issue for 10 months. And we've only spent half a million on it. We just need to spend more, giving more time to the hospitals to hang on to their monopolies in all aspects because, well, that's what's best. For them, quote unquote. So I guess we can look forward to more of our money being spent without a resolution out of the Certificate of Need Task Force. Uh, Marion Proctor, Representative Proctor, says she will still be looking at filing some bills to get rid of some Certificate of Need requirements. We'll see what happens on that. I want to hold my breath because a lot of people say, well, there's a whole con task force going on. We got to wait for their findings before we can do anything. Their findings was they don't have any findings. Well, we got to wait until those findings come back again, then. That's the excuse. That's the way it works. So when you call up your legislator and you say, vote for this bill or sponsor this bill to get rid of certificate of need in this category, they'll claim, well, the con task force didn't come back on it. And until we hear from them, uh, you know, they're the experts in this. That's who I trust. That's what they're going to tell you. It's giving legislators an excuse to continue pushing forward non-free market, non-conservative ideas in order to hold off would-be uh, voters and constituents that should be rightfully mad at them for doing nothing and give them a little, little piece of steak to hold them off, a little, little something-something there. Something else that uh, will probably actually come up, though, during this session is there will most likely be a school choice amendment on the ballot going into 2024. I think it will go forward. It's narrow to see if it will pass the legislature, but if it does pass the legislature, uh, we will be seeing that on our ballot. Understand it is in and of itself. You're not voting for if this comes forward, if it's anything like uh, the prior bill that had the constitutional amendment in it. And the reason why we need a constitutional amendment is because our state Supreme court has ruled that our state constitution requires 
us to have public schools and public schools only, uh, and that your private dollars can't go to any school you want to fund your kid. I think it's a little bit erroneous interpretation, but regardless. Um, so you need this amendment in order to get anything passed at all that looks even slightly like school toy. I mean, they even had, they had a bill that created educational uh, nonprofit. So there's this bill that the legislature created where a individual could donate money to a nonprofit and then you would get a dollar for dollar tax rebate pretty much or 90% tax rebate. So basically if you're going to pay $5,000 in taxes to the state and in income tax, you could just give $5,000 to this nonprofit and then you don't have to pay any taxes to the state. And then that nonprofit uh, could take a 10% administrative fee, but the 90% would go to uh, handing out scholarships to means-tested children in order to go to the private school of their choosing. So basically, it allowed people with means to get a tax rebate to fund kids without means going to high quality private education. Sounds great. Awesome bills, good outcome. You know, some people like Representative Kim King tried to claim that, oh, you're just subsidizing rich people's private uh, uh, education system. And that was a reason she voted against it. Doesn't make sense because the law literally said that if you're giving money into one of these health or these health these school scholarship programs your own child you cannot benefit from one so literally legally you couldn't benefit for, you couldn't person paying for their own kids uh, you know college tuition couldn't benefit from this and another reason why somebody like Kim King not somebody like but Kim King claimed she voted no on it was because it didn't provide transportation to school what a, what a weird claim you know, you didn't have to do this. So if you opt into uh, trying to get one of these scholarships and then your means tested, meaning you don't have uh, a lot of income in the household, so you qualify for one. So now you can go to a private uh, school education that you couldn't afford before. That's your choice to do that. And then the parent would transport you to school. But because the parent would transport him to school, Kim King said she didn't like the bit. She's just in league with the schools, clearly hates school choice, but that's besides the point. Anyway, so a bill like that even was ruled unconstitutional because it quote unquote takes money out of private or out of public schools, basically because they were providing scholarships for kids that otherwise would go to public schools to go to private schools and creating a government incentive for it. Now that was ruled unconstitutional by the state Supreme court. That's how erroneous and out of control they've gotten in their outright attack against any type of school choice at all. So therefore a constitutional amendment has got to be passed. Bashir weighed in on this. This is what he had to say. He said that he didn't think that Kentuckians would vote for such an amendment. He doesn't think that a constitutional amendment allowing school choice would pass. He says, no, nope, I don't think it's going to pass, which, uh, you know, I think, I don't know what data he's looking at. There's some sort of data out there because we saw this out of uh, the Cameron campaign as well. There's must be some data out there saying school choice isn't popular. 
which is crazy because like every single piece of, of, of data survey work, whatever that I've ever seen has said school choice is very popular with the vast majority of people. But for some reason you had during the governor's election, Cameron wouldn't just say he was forcible choice. And then also you had now Bashir very confident that Kentuckians won't vote for it. They, they are they seeing something I'm not, I don't know. Um, but I would, it, it would take some push, but they're pretty well funded. I mean, the school choice advocates here in Kentucky do have their acts together. Uh, there would be a coordinated, well-funded push in order to get that amendment passed. I don't see, I don't see how it has, uh, I, I don't see how Bashir so sure it wouldn't pass. But when asked, well, what do you, what do you ask Bashir? What, what do you believe here? we got some common ground. Can we find some common ground on school choice? Do you think private has any kind of thing, uh, 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 you know, place? in our educational system. Well, if Bashir here uh, was truly about only public school and, and truly believed his own rhetoric that public dollars should only go to public schools, he wouldn't have responded this way. This way he said, he said, I think you could look at certain places if we're providing different technical education, in different places. So he said that he would, he, he sees partnerships with the private sector receiving your public dollars to educate kids, but only in technical education. If we have public school that isn't performing the way it should be, the answer isn't to take away money from it and send money to a school that has less rules and regulations. That's what Bashir has claimed. Now, of course, uh, the free market and, and providing, it's not just we have a public school, though, that is underperforming. And I think that's what Bashir and other Democrats are missing too as well. That's why I believe school choice enjoys a lot of support because we don't have a public school that isn't performing. None. Basically, none of our public schools are performing. Like you have a less than 50% chance that a public school in Kentucky can get kids to proficient in reading and math in eighth grade. It's less than 50. It's like 44% of Kentucky public school children are testing proficient in math and reading in the eighth grade. So it's not a school. It's the entire system pretty much across the entire state is broken and not performing. That's the first problem I see there. Second problem, he claims, as he said, tons of times, I don't want public dollars going to private schools. But then in this instance, he says, okay, I mean, we have a technical college system. He didn't say, he didn't say no, if it's technical school issues, well, then I don't want public dollars going to that because we have technical schools that could teach it, BCTC, KCTCS the Kentucky community technical college system has campuses throughout the state that could fill in that gap. That is a public institution, not a private one. So he could have just said no, but he didn't say that. And there's a specific reason why. And this shows the entire hypocrisy in his thought process. We'll talk about that after this short break. You're listening to the Andrew Cooper show, your source for Kentucky politics. And you are back with the Andrew Kubrider show, your source for Kentucky politics for the break. We were talking about a school choice amendment. Bashir recently, this quote is saying he doesn't think a school choice amendment, constitutional amendment would pass here in Kentucky. And he says his opposition to it, of course, as he's repeatedly said, is that he doesn't want private dollars to go to or, or public dollars to go to private schools. But what's weird is when he was asked about 
maybe there's some places for compromise. He said, well, maybe in technical education, we can give public dollars to private schools, even though we have KCTCS, Kentucky Community College Technical College, throughout the state to provide that a public institution. Now, why would Bashir say that? I wonder if it has anything to do with his entire stated philosophy that public dollars shouldn't go to private schools stops the moment that his boondoggle spending to get giant corporations to come to Kentucky by taking hundreds of millions of our tax dollars and giving it to them, that, that conflicts with that idea. Because you see, he is currently giving public dollars or plans to give public dollars, not to just private schools, but to private companies to fund a technical education system in our public schools run by private companies in order to train them to work at said private companies. So the entire ability for people to profit off our public dollars in public schools, quote unquote, ends the moment they're one of Bashir's chosen people. The minute that it's a company that Bashir's given hundreds of millions of dollars to or promised to, well, then they can now come in. If they've cut a deal with Bashir, well, now they're able to get public dollars to a private entity in order to help that private entity's bottom line. But if they're not going to come in and cut a deal with Bashir, well, then he doesn't want them in because Bashir is corrupt. It's just corruption. That's what's informing his standpoint on private, quote unquote, education and allowing school choice. He's just corrupt. If you pay him off, if you cut a deal with him, he will let you at the at the piggy bank as a private entity. What piggy bank you need into? You need the public education piggy bank? Come on in, grab your fill. Go ahead and grab what you need to train up your future employees. We'll call that a public-private partnership. But the minute that you're like, hey, I, I don't want to cut a deal with you. I just want kids to have better educational outcomes. He's like, whoa, 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 whoa. If Daddy Andy ain't getting his cut, you're not allowed into the piggy bank. It's funny how that works, isn't it? It's funny how that works. Other news, Ruth Ann Palumbo, Democrat, not seeking re-election. Long time in. I think she's been in for like 20 years. But what's funny is, is with her now not running for office, that leaves only one Democrat left over from when Democrats had control of the Kentucky State House. Now, you may say, well, that must be a long time ago. It really wasn't. It was just eight years ago. I mean, Democrats had control of the State House for around 100 years. And then about eight years ago, Republicans got control of the state house for the first time in Kentucky's history. And then since then, we've seen nothing but Democrats leaving. It hasn't been very long, but why are they packing up? Why are they taking their ball home? Well, a lot has to do with the fact that they don't see coming down the pipe any time that they get returned to the majority. And well, it's just not worth it to them anymore because they're not as special. Nobody cares about them. Their opinions don't matter. Nobody cares what they have to say. People that used to give them deference and show them special treatment no longer do because, well, the bills they sponsor move nowhere. Their votes really don't matter because it's the Republicans who matter. They have such a big majority. So they're packing up and leaving. And this is only going to create more problems for Democrats. Remember that the Democrats looked at the Bashir victory 
is governor and said, look at these districts he won. We could we could maybe get more Democrats into the state house. I recently, just recently as a few months ago, heard a politico saying, uh, the Democrats, they'll win, you know, three or four houses, they think. Three or four house seats, they'll be able to win. They ain't gonna win it. The writing's on the wall. Bashir's an oddball. Bashir's an oddball because he harkens back to the older Democrats because of his dad. That's why. That's why he won re-election. He's a name they're used to. But as these Democrats are moving on, these old school Democrats that recognize you can't go after the guns, you got to be somewhat pro-life, the more moderate Democrats, they're being weaned out of the Democrat Party and being replaced with this absolutely fanatical, crazy, far-left liberal. And if you think I'm lying, well, it's just, look, I mean, recently, this mentally ill individual, a man who thinks he's a woman named Emma Curtis, posted online stating that uh, a meme, a conversation, talking about how uh, the the old Democrats are retiring, so this you know young new generation is ready to take over and show them how it's really going to be done. Now it's widely expected that Curtis is expected to try to make a run for Lexington city council and become the first transgender person elected to city council in Lexington, which I mean, generally you probably shouldn't elect mentally ill people to office, but for the Democrats, that's a feature, not a bug. I guess you do in a way got to be a little bit crazy to be a Democrat these days in the first place, but this more liberal takeover of crazy people like Curtis just go to show exactly why Democrats will have a long road to hoe in order to get back into power here in the state. Because you even have, I, I, let me tell you a story. There's a Democrat sheriff out in Eastern Kentucky and he changed his registration to Republican after the 2022 election. And when asked why he changed, he said, look, you're going, they are so far left. He said, I attended a rally, a local Democrat rally where Charles Booker came down and Charles Booker started talking. And I was listening to what Charles Booker, and he was running for Senate at the time against Rand Paul, you may remember. I was listening to what he was saying. And I just, this isn't me. This is what the sheriff said. He said, this isn't me. I no longer identify with this. This is very far left. I don't agree with it. And so he removed himself from the Democrat Party, changed his registration to a Republican. And they're going to continue to do this and continue to push farther left, which will continue to push the registration and make it harder for Democrats to ever win again here in Kentucky. They're going to continue to be their own demise, but their only way that they think they have a chance forward is, well, maybe those young people turn into the voters of tomorrow. And this is why I think it's incredibly important that Republicans need to get their act together. The Kentucky GOP needs to get its act together when it comes to dealing with the youths, <laughs> as people say. You have non-existent college Republicans here in, in, in Kentucky. A lot of drama there. You can listen to an old show of mine here past few days where I talked about that. A lot of drama going on there. In one, the one active chapter, there's drama with. You got basically non-existent young Republicans in places like Central Kentucky, like others. Why? Because once again, you have non-existent chapters. They'll they'll put somebody in place. It's just the, there's this classic thing that Kentucky GOP does, and it'll be this way in 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 
county parties. It'll be this way for young Republicans, college Republicans. It's this classic thing Kentucky GOP does is that they will, there'll be nobody fulfilling the job. Suddenly somebody starts doing the job or wanting to do the job, but they're like, Ooh, I don't like that person. And they don't like them because they're not motivated by simply team redshirt. They actually believe in the conservative cause that scares them. That's why Trump scares them too. He's not motivated by money or prestige or per se power. He's not motivated by uh, uh, people knowing his name and infamy. He was already famous and everything else before doing it. He just believes in something and that scares him. People who believe in something. You can't control that because you can't threaten them with anything. So instead they put in place these people that do nothing, but they can control them. And then they wonder why things don't grow or coming up on a break. You're listening to the Andrew Cooperwriter show. As always, if you want to reach out to the show, go ahead and email info at theandrewshow.com. Once again, that's info at theandrewshow.com. We'll be back after this short break. A uh, few minutes, we'll be talking about, uh, I posted some things on Twitter. People have been upset about, let's dig into it after this short break. You are back with the Andrew Cooperwriter Show, your source for Kentucky politics. Now, listeners of the show know this week I covered Bashir's budget address, his forward Kentucky budget address that he did on KET. And people who follow me on social media will know that typically I will post or tweet some point that I made from within my show that day out in order to kind of share a point I made and, and get people interested in the show. And so yesterday I tweeted this out. I said, Bashir thinks you're stupid. In his budget, he claims that Kentucky can provide universal pre-K for just $172 million. There are about 56,000 four-year-olds in Kentucky. He wants you to believe that the government can do pre-K at a cost of three k a kid, I, I'm going to play again for you exactly what he said. I think we really need to zero in on what he said exactly in his address in order to comprehend why the Democrats losing their minds over this are so incredibly wrong. Here you go. My budget will provide $172 million each year to fund universal preschool for all four-year-old children so that every child is kindergarten ready. The Department of Education estimates that under this plan about 34,000 additional Kentucky four-year-olds would be provided with a preschool education. Okay, so once again, what he said there, right? He said, one, all Kentucky four-year-olds. There's about 56,000 Kentucky four-year-olds. That's the first thing. He said, all. That's really important, okay? Then he says, under this program, right? Let's play it again here. Garden ready. The Department of Education estimates that under this plan, about 34,000 additional Kentucky four-year-olds would be provided with a preschool education. 34,000 additional Kentucky four-year-olds would be provided with a preschool education. Okay, so what he's saying, first, every Kentucky child in the state will get an opportunity at pre-K. But... Because some, there are some kids who are currently in a Head Start federally funded pre-K program uh, based upon their means and everything else. But there's also a, a fair number of Kentucky children that are in uh, pre-K programs that their parents pay for privately as well. So he's saying that there's 31,000, 32,000-ish kids that 
aren't currently getting a program that will. But that doesn't mean he only has to pay for 31,000 kids. He said all Kentucky children. So that means that he also will be paying for those kids who are currently in a pre-K program that their parents are paying for. That's important to know. But let's say you're like, well, Andrew, though, he's going to take out the Head Start people that are already getting federally funded. So he's just that 31, 32,000. That's just who needs it. Okay. Well, now that cost ends up being 5,000 a kid. That ends up what he's being paid. So he goes from paying 3,000 a kid, as I posted originally, and based on his words, he's saying 3K a kid on average would be the cost. That's still true. But you're saying, look, they're already paying for 25,000 ish of them to get educated. That I don't think that's accurate because his own words were that would provide it to additional kids who aren't currently in a program. So that 25,000 ish kids that he's not including in his 31,000 number, some of them are maybe in Head Start, but some of them also are getting private pre K education that's being paid for by their parents that now would be receiving this stipend or whatever it would be. And what's amazing too, is I'd love to know how he's going <laughs> to rewinding to my school choice situation. How's he going to do this? How's he going to do this program? Are they going to build pre-K uh, buildings and schools and facilities all over the state? Because that's another cost too as well. Or are they going to provide a voucher to these parents to go to the pre-K program of their choice? I'll give you a hint. It'll most likely be the voucher system. It's so weird to hear Bashir that works against a voucher type system for our educators K through 12 and has says he hates them. But at the same time is, is has this grand idea of a new program doing a voucher type system for kindergarten or pre-K weird, right? I thought those systems are unaccountable and they don't work and we should never fund them. Hmm. But here Bashir is wanting to fund and create a new program all himself, almost like he's a hypocrite. But besides that, besides that, let's say he's not going to do it by choice. Let's say he's going to allow the public school systems locally to handle the problem and they're going to handle it. Well, something else he said in this address was that this program would basically pay for itself because it would allow thousands of Kentucky parents to get back into the workforce. Not only is that one uh, slightly, I don't know, um, dystopian that a parent would be the, the idea of the government is to get the parent back to being a, a cog in the machine and stop raising your family. We'll let the government handle that. Well, government will handle that. You just get back on to work now. That's what he's saying. But even outside of that, um, so let's take a pre-K program. So I posted this and some people were like, well, you know, Florida has a pre-K universal pre-K program that does it for 2,500 a kid. So yeah, 3,000 a kid, they could do it. Florida's 2,500 a kid program provides uh, three-ish hours, two to three hours a day of pre-K teaching, five days a week. That's how much the program pays for, about three hours, five days a week with like no summer. The way the program's set up, it provides um, basically 550-ish, I believe, 550 instruction hours a year. So if you break that down, into weeks, that's 10 hours a week. 
two hour, two and a half hours a day. They give them some time off. That's how they get to those three hours a day. Well, when you throw in drive time, I don't know about you, but giving a parent two and a half hours a day at the most away from their child doesn't get them back into the workforce. So already Bashir's plan, so if Bashir was adopting the Florida plan, that is a voucher type system that provides three hours a day of education that doesn't pay for itself because it gets people back into the workplace. But Bashir's claiming his plan will get people back into work. So he's either lying, good possibility, or he's planning on this program also providing a daycare providership. And please tell me, what daycare providers do you know that can provide daycare at 3K a kid all day long? A year, they can't. And let's even then rewind it down to that 31,000 amount that he says the program. Let's say that's all the program's providing it for, 31,000. So you have 172 million being divided over 32,000 kids. That's 5,300. Let's say it's 5,400. Well, 5400 a year works out to $450 a month. That's only to provide pre-K and childcare. That's $103 a week. That's if you're only providing it to those 31,000, it's going to be more. So what Andy Bashir wants you to believe is that he's going to construct a pre-K program that gets parents back into the workplace for eight hours a day. And it's only going to cost the taxpayer $104, $103, probably less, because once again, that's that 31,000 number. If we actually did it on the actual number, it's probably closer to 40-ish thousand. So I'd put it down around probably like 80 bucks, 80 bucks a week. I don't know. And, and he's going to do that without being in a uh, also, too, he's going to do that by creating a voucher system for education that he himself hates, supposedly hates those kinds of systems because they're unaccountable. Weird, right? Weird. It's almost like he's lying. And that's what these Democrats can't handle. You go, go read the comments on this tweet, on this Facebook. They can't handle this idea. They're like, no, 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 that's not accurate. Uh, it'll be 5,000. Then when you point out, okay, so you believe that he can accomplish this for 5,000? They're like, well, yeah. I mean, look at Florida. They do it for 2,500 for two hours, three hours a day. And he says this is going to get people back in the workplace. Well, yeah, but, you know, that's how much the SEEK formula is. So that makes sense. Well, the SEEK formula is for K through 12 education. And that provides about 4,400 a year. But that also doesn't provide instruction for three months a year. And you can't exactly get, quote unquote, people back in the workplace if they're taking three months off every year. This is year round. And on top of that, that number is greatly supplemented by local taxes. And that's my entire point. He wants you to believe 172 million is all he needs. He needs much, much more. And he's going to tax us for it. Taxes will come out. And if the public school system is the one to handle this, it will cost significantly more because they'll need new buildings, transportation, all these things. It's a false flag. It's a red herring. It will be much more than 172 million. He's lying and he needs to explain how it's going to be paid for, but he can't explain more than 172 million without saying he's going to tax you more. And he can't say that. Well, y'all, that's, you heard the alarm. That's what we got time for today on the Andrew Cooperwriter Show. Thank you all so, so much for joining me. 
We'll see you back here on uh, Monday. We'll have some replay stuff. Obviously, it's Christmas, but we'll see you probably uh, Wednesday. Next week will be a fresh new show. Monday, Tuesday will probably be a little bit of replay, but we'll see you then.